Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. We are preparing ourselves mentally and physically for an 11-game NBA Wednesday. We're going to hit some recent news, some injury news, and look ahead to some of the players and position battles to watch for tonight. Joining me right now, Roto World's Jared Johnson. Jared, are you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. All right. We're going to start <laughs> in Atlanta. Now, the Hawks play just two games this week, but... Some pretty significant news out of Atlanta on Tuesday. Word coming down via the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that John Collins is going to miss several more weeks with that ankle injury. Now, Vince Carter has actually been starting at the four for the Hawks, which is which is a storyline in and of itself. But more importantly, we had no Mari Spellman sighting on Sunday. He had 17 points and four threes against the Cavs. Is Spellman on your radar at all as someone to watch over the next few weeks? Spellman's certainly on my radar. Uh, he showed some nice flashes during Summer League in the preseason. And, you know, with Vince Carter as the guy that's starting ahead of him and John Collins, we don't really know when he's getting back. They said several weeks. They were pretty vague about that. And uh, the coach today said uh, no timetable, no official timetable. So that's concerning. So, look, the minutes are there for the young guy. His stat lines have been kind of empty. But for a power forward that can give you some triples, he's definitely on the radar in deep leagues. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I mean, the Hawks are, uh, Collins is a young player, but the Hawks are in no hurry to get him back in a weird way. I mean, sure, on some level, they're trying to compete, but on another level, they're not trying to compete. So yeah, they won't Mm -hmm. rush Collins back, even though he's a young guy, I don't think. You agree with that? Definitely. They are not interested in winning. (laughs) They (laughs) They want their guys to develop and they want their guys to be healthy. So no reason to rush them back. Well, one guy who is developing maybe even faster than they expected is Trey Young. And they won. They did win against the Cavs over the weekend. We saw that monster game from Trey Young. 35 points and 11 assists in just his third NBA game. I'm a Hawks fan. And personally, I, I did get myself on board with Trey Young because partially I had to, but partially I watched a lot of video and was convinced that he's crazy skilled. But However, I never expected 45% shooting at any point in the season. That's where we are right now. Uh, Where are you with Trey Young now? Where were you before the season? And has anything changed for you? Uh, Yeah, so initially when I first saw him at Summer League, I was pretty low on him. But he was pretty brutal for the first couple games of Summer League. And then he slowly got better and better, got more acclimated. And uh, he really caught my attention during the preseason. Now, did I think he was going to come out with the 35-point explosion three games in the year? <laughs> no, I did not see that coming. But the kid's impressive. The thing that really I like about him the most, uh, everyone talks about his his range, which is certainly impressive, but I think his passing skills are truly excellent. And the way that he can drop dimes is just, man, that it's he's just, it's a talent that, you know, you can't teach the the awareness that he has, like eyes in the back of his head. So uh, I don't think that the percentages are going to hold. I think that he'll certainly hit a wall at some point, but <laughs> severely beating expectations, I will say that. Yeah, and if he can be even above 40%, 41-42, with the way he's going to score and pass, I mean, he's over eight assists so far, averaging 3.73s. Look, if his field goal percentage is even in the low 40s, I think he's he's so a very dynamic fantasy value. Yeah, yeah. Stud. Stud in the making. <laughs> uh, okay, meanwhile, we're going to keep it in Atlanta maybe longer than we should, but 
I got to say, a third rookie on the Hawks could be emerging as well. And this surprises even me. Kevin Herter quietly posted a pretty stellar line in that win on Sunday. Nine points, 10 boards, four assists, three trays, two steals, and a block. Owned in only 2% of Yahoo leagues. I think he's way off people's radars. Is he on your radar at all? I'd say he's making blips. He's not quite there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick him up yet. But he has my attention. I think that he could probably factor in towards the second half. Uh, maybe steal away some minutes from Bazemore. But definitely on the radar. Not quite worth owning in most leagues still, in my opinion. I understand that. I agree. I think he's more of a, a watch list guy, and he's probably a ways down your watch list, but he's also someone who could probably make moves pretty quickly given the landscape on the Hawks. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, you just mentioned the next guy I want to talk about, Kent Bazemore. Now, he went really cheap in drafts for the most part, ADP 132 on Yahoo. He's off to a strong start, though, around 13 points, six boards. He's getting steals, blocks, and threes early on. Are you buying in on Bays at all? I'm so- it's sounding like a no. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's shooting 50%. That's not going to hold. And uh, he was 42% last season, which is pretty much his career average. And uh, he's actually averaging less shot attempts this year than last year. I mean, he's okay. He's he's a guy that'll probably be worth owning, but I don't think he's a difference maker, and he's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It, it's it's probably the perspective of a Hawks fan here, but he certainly has a path to you know top eighty or ninety value. But you can find that elsewhere if it's not your cup of tea. Okay, some other injury news from Tuesday. Chris Dunn made his debut on Monday night. Was very excited to see him on the court. He looked pretty good coming back from the birth of his son. Then word comes down, he's out four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. And I saw a writer on Twitter say that that means 14 to 21 games for the Bulls. That's pretty yeah. brutal. I mean, we're potentially looking at a quarter of the season here. Two questions for you. Are you in on Cameron Payne at all? And is there a universe where you would consider dropping Chris Dunn? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I'm not in on Cameron Payne. I think that he's going to start for sure, but... They have four point guards on that roster, and Cameron Payne just isn't very good. (laughs) Let's just be honest. So, uh, No, I don't see it. And would I cut Dunn? I hate that idea, but if your league doesn't offer an IR spot, maybe you're in a shallower league, like of 10 teams, maybe there's something on the wire. I hate dropping a guy with upside like Dunn, but he's going to be out. For a while and that team is not going to rush him back so it's kind of a it's really a decision for your specific team can you what's the waiver wire look like can you afford to keep them that dead roster space on your bench so i would try not to drop them if that's the where you're at maybe trade him for nothing but i would try to hold on it's just it stinks man that was a well thought out explanation i'll take it one step further I'll say do not drop Chris Dunn. That's where I'm at. He is one of my favorite, favorite players to watch. He had a bit of a mini breakout last year. I think he still has a chance to take it to the next level when he gets back this year. I would not drop him anywhere. Sort of a similar situation. Will Barton, word came out that he was going to be out five to six weeks originally. Now the Denver Post more recently saying he will be reevaluated in six weeks. That is worrisome when you start to get into that kind of language. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I didn't end up with Barton in any of my leagues. This was the year for me where he became too pricey in drafts. I would always get him really late the past few years, and I loved that. This year, it was too premium of a pick, but I like him a lot as a fantasy player. Is this a guy you would – like, Jared, let's say there's a scenario where we think Barton could be out two months. Would you consider dropping him? Well, I'll tell you this. I was all in on Barton. <laughs> I, I have him in multiple leagues. Uh um, no, I'm not, I'm not going to cut him. He was cruising around at a top 30 pace. I'm going to, I'm going to try to see what I can do, but it's just way too much upside. And, and he's not out for the year. If I can build a team that's competitive, then I kind of look at him as an advantage when he comes back eventually. Now, the problem is reevaluated in six weeks. That means probably best case scenario. That's mid December when he's coming back, probably 10 weeks when he's really, really back. Brutal. It stinks. Yeah. You got to stick with him. Yeah, I agree. There's sort of a nebulous, uh, invisible line that you should not drop a guy who's above that line in potential value. And I think Dunn and Barton are both there. Obviously, John Collins is there. Uh, These are guys to target in trades if you think you have a, a really strong team and can afford that dead roster spot for a while. Yeah. You sound pretty gutted by this Barton thing, by the way. <laughs> I just, it was Barton, he went down, and then I have Wiggins, he, he gave me nothing the other game. I don't know, man, I was pretty it's pretty t- devastated with that Barton injury. It's too early in the season to be this this beaten down, but we'll try, <laughs> we'll try to power on. All right, well, so look, if you're in the same boat, you had Will Barton, you had Chris Dunn, you're looking for a fresh start in Fantasy Hoops, you can get a new squad at draft.com, use the promo code RW. And play for free. You can do a 2 to 12 team snake draft. You can do auctions there too. You'll have a new ro- new roster to look at in a matter of minutes. Again, go to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. All right, Jared, we are getting into a Wednesday preview here, looking at some players to watch, some rotations to watch, some position battles. As I mentioned, 11 games on the schedule tonight, including the Knicks at Miami. The Knicks rotation... I wouldn't call it a mess. Let's let's be nice and call it intriguing. Uh, one guy I personally find interesting, but I believe you don't, is Trey Burke. 19 points, 5 boards, 4 assists in just 22 minutes on Monday. Where are you at on Burke? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd count on him disappointing you. That's really all I have to say about Burke. I mean, maybe he's starting, but uh, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way I look at it is, yeah, he was disappointing for years, and I've convinced myself that a different guy came back late in the season uh, for the Knicks last year. I don't know what he did, but I think... Iverson. Yeah, a different a different <laughs> dude came back and, and was playing really well for the Knicks. He's not playing at that level now, but he's not playing at a bad level. You know what I mean? He's I think he's shooting around 44 45%, which if he can do that, I think he's going to be fairly useful. But, I mean, I get why if you've gone to the well there too many times, you're, you're feeling <laughs> yeah. a little bit eh. And Moutier hasn't come back yet. So, I mean, it's not like he's going to be a huge factor, but he's just another point guard on that team. Yeah, and we're seeing the minutes yo-yo quite a bit with Burke and Alonzo Trier. And another guy I want to talk about, Mario Hozonia. He had a big night for the next Monday, 18 points, a couple of threes and steals. Seemed to step right in and take that opportunity with Kevin Knox out. Is Hozonia a priority ad for you? For sure, yeah. After the break last season... He was a sixth round guy. 
12.2 points, 4.6 boards, 2 assists, 1.4 triples, 1.6 steals, and just 1.3 turnovers per game. So the potential is there for him, particularly with Knox out. I think that he's going to soak up those minutes. So I would add him in a lot of places. And a sneaky part of the the Hazonia story, he's on a one-year deal with the Knicks. So he's he's a guy who, again, is playing to build up his value. So the motivation is – is Yeah, it's an odd situation to sign a one-year deal. So he is, he is uh, looking to make some bucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, one more Nick we want to watch closely on Wednesday, or I'm going to watch maybe from a distance on Wednesday, is Damian Dotson. A couple productive games for him in a row, including 14 points, eight boards, with four threes and two steals on Monday. Has Dotson made any blips on your radar? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I want to see him do it a couple more times before I buy into that one. Yeah. That's that's fair. I mean, look, again, the Knicks, I, I said, I stopped short of calling him a mess, but... <laughs> this could this could be a rotation that drives us insane. We could be talking about this before too long as as one of the situations that's just driving us nuts all season. So I, I'm with you. I'm not running to to add Dotson, but yeah, keep him on the watch list. All right, the Hornets are headed to Chicago. A bit of a position battle there as Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk pretty evenly dividing up minutes. Monk averaging 27 minutes, Lamb averaging 24. Both guys have been reasonably productive, though both shooting below 40%. Which guy do you prefer going forward between Lamb and Monk? I like Monk. Uh, I I mean, quite honestly, I think he's far more talented than Lamb, just straight up. And uh, I like what he can bring to the box score. I like that he's a two-guard that is occasionally going to block multiple shots a game. And uh, I think he's just more important to the Charlotte franchise than Lamb, so especially if the Hornets aren't playoff relevant towards that second half, I could definitely see Monk getting much more consistent playing time and, and Lamb's playing time fading a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you on Monk, and I like the fact that he can block shots too. It's interesting. Lamb is propping up his value a bit with defensive stats right now, averaging 1.3 steals, 1.0 blocks early, but that's really not been his track record. So you have to be pretty skeptical that he can keep that up. All right, one guy who's off to a rather brutal start based on expectations is Darren Collison, averaging just seven points through his first four games. He actually had a top 50 fantasy season last year quietly in nine category leagues, partially because of crazy low turnovers. Are you trusting Collison's track record here versus the current production and sticking with him, or do you think the slow start is actually cause for concern? I'm, I mean, kind of all of the Pacers have gotten off to a slow start when you look at it. Uh, Oladipo hasn't played particularly well. Tyreek has been so-so. I'm, I'm actually a little bit more concerned about Turner than I am about Collison. Mm-hmm. But I think that Collison can turn it around. I don't really see why he couldn't. I, I mean, he's not going to be this bad. Let's put it that way. Let's talk about Turner for a second because I think um, he is a guy who... Everyone, it seems like every year he gets a fresh start with fantasy owners or certainly with some <laughs> fantasy owners. Like, no, no, that that was because of X, Y, and Z. Like, he's now he's going to break out. Now he's yeah. going to now he's going to average eighteen and ten with all the blocks and the threes. Like, I don't think it's happening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I, think so. I know he's twenty two and like I know he's valuable. Period, because he gets almost two blocks a game and his percentages are good and he'll hit some threes, etc. But like eighteen and ten is not walking through that door. No, yeah, he's he's just uh, I I had him his I was really high on him coming into the league, and then I 
was like, okay, well, maybe he can do it his sophomore year. Like, you know. But no, he just hasn't really. And I don't think that's who he is as a player. I just don't really see it. I guess that he's he got into the best shape of his life this offseason doing yoga. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just over buying the narrative. And I think that he is what he is. And I don't really think he's all that impressive, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 12 and 6, basically, uh, through the first four games. Average around 13 and 6 last year. Again, the blocks are going to help you. The percentages aren't going to hurt you. He doesn't turn the ball over if you play in non-category leagues. That's all good news, and he's valuable, but he's not what people are hoping he will be. Yeah, kind of like a lame Brook Lopez. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And that's uh, kind of a brutal when you put it that way. That sounds kind of brutal, actually. <laughs> I like Brook Lopez, but I like Brook Lopez with, too. With where people took Turner in drafts, that is not what they wanted. Oh yeah, well, I wasn't one of those guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, a lot of people take a fade the king strategy in fantasy drafts and probably lose no sleep over it. But I'm starting to think one guy who might make us all second guess that is De'Aaron Fox. He's been somewhat of a monster early on, right around 20 points, five boards, eight assists. Do you buy into this breakout? And do you think he can come anywhere close to maintaining that pace? Well, he's shooting uh, 50%, something around there, maybe over 50%. Point guards don't shoot over 50%. He hit 41.2% of his shots his rookie year. Uh, that said, I do think that he is going to be there for you with points and dimes. I do think that it's a little bit of a breakout year for him. He was very unimpressive his rookie year, but he was also had to play behind George Hill for a while. And uh, I, I could see him turning the corner. I don't own him anywhere. I think that avoiding Kings is a winning strategy in fantasy hoops, but... Uh, you know, for those that invested, congrats. You can give yourself a pat on the back. I think it'll hold. Yeah, I mean, maybe not quite 20 points, 8 assists, but even 18 maybe. and 6, something like that yeah. would be a huge win for, for where you got De'Aaron Fox. All right, uh, another late game on Wednesday. Lakers are at the Suns. We saw Kyle Kuzma go nuts on Monday. 37 points with Brandon Ingram obviously suspended. Do you think that was only the beginning of a big run for Kuzma, or is he really going to be more of a low-end guy once Ingram is back? I'm hopeful that it's the beginning of a big run for Kuzma. But either way, he's going to be better than he was for the first two games of the season. He was shooting around in the 30s. Uh, he's not going to shoot below 40% for the entire year. I think that personally, because I'm a biased Kuzma owner, <laughs> I think that he's a better fit in the first unit. He can space the floor much better than Ingram can. So I would love it if he sticks but either way, I think he's just far too talented to not be a solid player to own this year. Well, and obviously people are hoping the same thing for Lonzo Ball, that he's going to take this opportunity and, and solidify his starting job. He obviously played pretty well on Monday, uh, his second good game in a row. It would help if the Lakers got uh, a win or two while these suspensions happen to kind of help solidify those roles. So that, yeah. that's another thing to watch closely, whether they win or lose. Definitely. And that's going to be a huge factor. LeBron's, you know, he, he gives lip service to being patient, but he's not a patient guy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just like if you look on paper, I think that Ball and Kuzma make more sense in the first unit. Braun wants to be around shooters. Braun and Rondo on this on this sharing the floor. I don't think you can really win a lot of games like that. So I, I do think that Ball has a very good shot at at. Staying in the starting five, I'm less certain about Kuzma, 
But either way, those guys are trending up. And by the way, Lonzo shooting 42% from three early on. Obviously, very hey small, sa- very very small sample size. But it's too early to to write him off as a shooter. Yeah. Regardless of what his shot looks like. <laughs> All right. Out in the Bay Area, Wizards are at the Warriors. This is not really a position battle per se, but we saw Markeith Morris and Kelly Oubre both make some big noise earlier this week. On some level, there's a full-scale Markeith Morris renaissance happening. 16 points, 7 boards, a steal, 1.7 blocks, 3.03s are his averages so far. Do you have any faith? I'm reserving judgment until I see what that team looks like with Dwight Howard on the floor. And I think that's going to impact things in a lot of ways. So I think that Markeith is, for sure, he'll be worth owning. Uh, I think he's kind of a lower tier player. I don't think what he's doing now is sustainable. And I think Dwight Howard is really going to alter a lot of the things that are going on in that court. Yeah, I mean, you know, like in a vacuum, it would make sense to try to sell high on Markeith Morris right now. I don't think you're really going to get anything for him in a trade realistically. Um, If you have have an overzealous Wizards fan in your league, maybe see (laughs) see if that guy will give you something for him. Otherwise, just just hang on and hope that... uh, that he continues to play well. I mean, he was he was really good two years ago, not so good last year as he got a really slow start after sports hernia surgery. So hopefully he can uh, weather the statistical storm once Dwight comes back. I, I think these numbers aren't realistic, but he could be good Markeith all year. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> you sound wildly skeptical. Uh, <laughs> as for Ubre, really only one strong game this season that came monday night i believe 22 points which i'm gonna double check right now because we'd love to be accurate here 22 points six boards a steal and a block three trays nine of 13 shooting first first game of big minutes this season do you think uh mr Ubre can start to produce consistently uh well at what point did mahimi go out last game mahimi played four minutes i think yeah. yeah, so that I think that that was part of the reason why he got those minutes. Again, I don't. I, I just think this the dynamic really changes when Dwight's back. But uh, I wouldn't count on Ubre winning you a fantasy championship. <laughs> you know, it, and I think your uh, your skepticism on some of these guys is very useful at this time of year because everyone's looking at their waiver wire. Everyone you know, sees players they're getting excited about because there's all these small sample size stat lines that look awesome and you're trying to decide who to add, you know, don't do anything hasty, I would say, is the big picture takeaway here. Uh, if there's someone you drafted for a reason and you think they're going to be good still, don't, you know, when it's, you know, 1 a.m. and you're mad at that player for having an off game, don't do not do anything hasty this early. Yeah, yeah. People people were furious at me for telling them to not drop Jonathan Isaac after two games, and then he had a really good game three. So if you invested someone, if you invested like a mid-round pick in someone, don't freak out. You know, yeah. it's it's been like three games. Uh, I actually looked at the top 40 from last year over the first three games. Uh, in the first round equation was Blake Griffin and okay. Contavious Caldwell-Pope. just so you know let's wait let's give these guys a chance uh oladipo was also 26 through the first three games last year and we all know how he finished so you know these guys need to get into their rhythm take a deep breath people it's gonna be fine (laughs) by the way blake is is number 11 right now after he's played two games so history repeating itself (laughs) 
All right. Well, that just about does it for us, man. Uh, big Wednesday night coming up, everyone. Keep it tuned, as always, to the Roto World Player News page for all of your updates on important events. Hopefully not too many injuries to track there, but 11 games, so there's going to be a lot to follow. Jared, thanks for doing this, man. This was fun. Yeah, no problem. All right, dude. We'll do it again soon. Adios.